Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Welcome, folks. So glad you could join us on this Hump Day Wednesday. I'm John Grace, along with my cohort in crime, Daniel Medina, here on uh, Voice America. And we're delighted you could join us for Fiscal Fitness. We're going to be talking with our good friend, Nancy Paul, uh, about uh, college education. And we, we want to get to that. Uh, clearly, you know, we all enjoyed the roller Well, we were on the roller coaster ride. Maybe it hasn't come to an end yet. But here we are waiting for the uh, end results with Georgia Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. Um, now, by the way, the last time we had a situation like this goes back to uh, the 2000 election between George Bush and Al Gore. And you might remember how much we learned about hanging chads and that counting is much more complicated than we thought. We also learned that the old expression, the market can handle good news and bad news, but not uncertainty has a basis in truth. So the S&P 500, as we well, recall and look back, I believe it declined about 5% from November 7th, the day before the election, until November 12th, 2000, the day uh, before Bush was officially declared the winner. So it would not be at all surprising to see heightened levels of volatility as politicians and lawyers battle over deadlines, procedures, and outcomes. Now, eventually, investors will again focus on the things that truly matter. And we would call those the fundamentals. And we believe the economic rebound uh, we have been experiencing should continue no matter which candidate ultimately wins. Republicans and Democrats should finally be able to pass an additional economic stimulus package, the long-awaited infrastructure package, which may be the only thing both parties agree on will likely get passed. So that's what we're, we're, we're looking for to happen. Um, we've got the Senate uh, with a narrow lead in uh, Republican majority, which suggests that we would expect no major tax increases, but a fiscal stimulus package of less than $1 trillion in that case, in the event that the Democrats control the Senate, we would expect Congress to enact a fiscal stimulus package of about double that size, regardless of the White House outcome, though the size could grow a bit larger, I mean, two to three times, two and a half to three trillion dollars. So tax increases that go to fund additional spending increases would likely also occur under a Democratic sweep, but not under a Democratic Senate and a Trump White House. Now, to the extent that you have questions, please uh, post those. And Daniel, Daniel, why don't you give us the instructions on those and uh, on, on what people can do? And, and by the way, folks, to the extent that you send us a question, I'll send you, well, along with, if you send us a question and we have your email address, I'll send you a, uh, a link to uh, a message from Amazon to say that you have my book, uh, which we've just finished, uh, Making Finance Make Sense, which is available in Paperwhack paperback at Amazon and on Kindle. So give us our instructions, please, Daniel. 
You can find us on um, Twitter at Money on Course. You can find us on Facebook under Investors Advantage. You can send us an email at contact at YBPoor. And you can reach us in the office on at 805-495-2077. Thank you. So I always do this. So let me pick up where we left off. And that is to look to see how the markets are doing as far as the year is concerned, because I, I find that so often people get focused on the day-to-day -day activity, and that is really difficult to see the trends or what's been going on as far as the year is concerned. So we're going to talk about the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ indexes, and we're looking at January 1, 2020, through year to date, and I mean as of right now, as of about uh, what 308, 309 Eastern time. So when we look at the Dow, uh, we see that it's in negative territory. It's off 1.7%. Uh, now just file that away for a minute because it kind of helps tell a story, which we find interesting. And the story is the disbursement or the disparity. So there's the Dow in negative territory through the year. Again, January 1 through today, as of this minute, it's up 1.8%. That's a good day for the Dow, but notice it's still off for the year, 1.7%. The S&P 500 is generally a, a better indicator of what's going on in the market, primarily because it's a more diversified. There are 500 stocks there. And what we see is it's having a, a good day up about two and a half percent. But and year to date, it's up about 7.1%. That's, that's, a, that's a good number. NASDAQ, on the other hand, is up about 29% so far this year. So if we go back to the Dow being in negative territory, 1.7, and the positive uh, enjoyment where that everybody loves at 29% as far as the NASDAQ is concerned. That's what I'm really referring to is this disparity in terms of how this, uh, this market is operating. And one of the things that you want to look at if you're looking at the market at all is not just where the index closes, but focus on the volume. In other words, when it's light volume, Generally, that's not a good sign. What you want to see a lot of is more breadth. That's B-R-E-A-D-T-H. So we want to see more volume. We want to see the majority of the stocks participating in the gains as opposed to like the S&P 500, which has really been uh, controlled by the, the five or six NASDAQ stocks that people have gotten so in love with recently. So that's what we're seeing so far this year. Uh, we do think that uh, for a host of reasons, things could turn very nasty very quickly. And that's why our one-two punch for how investors can be better prepared is one, to have um, active management strategies put into the equation so that the question is, is it risk on or risk off? In other words, are we putting fuel on this fire or do we need to put water on this fire? And that could change from day to day. And it may be, you know, a full water hose. It might be a sprinkler, uh, but sometimes it's, it's all in or, or, or all out. And we, we want the strategies to be in place to help make those moves so that if we see another 2008, as it unfolds, instead of holding shares, we want uh, our clients to see the, or to have the experience where shares are sold and the the, the proceeds are put into a cash account, a money market account. That would be putting water on the fire. Let the fire 
go out and then we can put fuel on that fire, like water in 2008, fuel in 2009. We don't want to experience those severe losses like we saw in 2008. And by the way, Daniel has been on board with Investors Advantage. And I think of this often because he started about September, if I'm not mistaken, 2006. And then I had a chance to go to a meeting where I really thought it was a a good meeting and that he should join me to kind of get his feet wet and see what this is all about. And and one of the speakers uh, said to the audience of our peers, now we've had one 50% loss 2000-2002 in the overall stock market. Suppose there's another. Suppose there's another one in the next 10 years, in the same decade. And on the way back to the office, I said to Daniel, uh, nobody's ever asked that question before. That's a darn good question. You know, I we haven't imagined that, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And that's part of what I'm saying. We have to be prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. So I put uh, Daniel's my main math man, and I said, you know, let's start with our largest single account at the time. I believe it was about $10 million. And, and let's see what we can do to be proactive with clients and reach out to them in such a way to give them some options to maybe discover how they might be able to reduce their losses. And that's where we moved from uh, just keeping all the money in in accounts that stay fully invested, no matter what the heck happens, and started moving to positions where there's more active management. Some clients moved, some clients didn't. The ones who did were glad. The ones who who didn't, by the time we saw them in 2009, they're like, wow, uh, I guess this is what you were talking about. It didn't have to be that bad, did it? And we joke saying, well, we arranged this to get your attention. But that's the point that we've we've got to be prepared for what we don't see. And, and the best way I like to put it is if you and I wanted to run across the street and jaywalk for lunch, it's never the bus we see that can disrupt our day. It's typically the bus we didn't see, the bus we did not time, the bus we did not name. And if we're lucky, we might be able to peel ourselves up off the pavement, take a picture of the license plate of that bus and move along. But if we're not lucky, it's over and out. So we don't like the regrets where people are having, you know, an experience where it's like, I can never recover from this. We want people to be able to play the game, no matter how good or how bad the game might become. So because that's the real satisfaction, being able to play the game. That's what we're all about. So we'll see what happens uh, in terms of some uh, uh answers relative to this uh, presidency. We think, of course, that we'd like to see, as would everybody, uh, well, let's make it this way. The market would like to see, would prefer to see an answer sooner rather than later. Because as I say, if we look at uh, Bush versus Gore, there was a, uh, a decline that occurred as that uncertainty unfolded. It may be the case that uh, stocks relative to the NASDAQ and, and tech stocks might do better in a Trump administration. In a Biden administration, there could be a shift to more value stocks. So stay tuned for that. But so far, the S&P earnings are rebounding strongly since the COVID-inspired drop earlier this year. And analyst estimates indicate that earnings could very well eclipse their prior levels in the second half of 2021. Uh, so, we'll. this is the good news. At the same time, you know, this, this pandemic has been uh, a disaster of epic proportions. And I would submit to you that it's changing everything right before our various, our, our, our eyes in various ways that we do not yet see. So, that's why it's so important for us to be 
more nimble as opposed to, you know, we want to be the, the, the palm tree in, in, in the Hawaiian winds uh, as opposed to being so stoic that we can't be moved and then we become uprooted and it's hard to have a nice day because things just turned upside down. So, but understand that the spending wave, now this is something that we, we pay for independent research to help us get a sense for what's going on in the, in the economy in a big way. Because if you're just looking at sales, that's in a very small way. And those sales could stop or turn around and you not know why. And, and we're going to say that the, the, the piece of the puzzle that is the most compelling, or certainly one of the pieces that are the most compelling, is to look at the buying behavior, particularly of American consumers, based on age. So, um, yeah, we want to look at what we notice is that the spending wave peaked in 2007 for the U.S. and 2011 in Europe. We've been living off of quantitative, quantitative easing ever since to make up for that slowdown that happened once the baby boomers begin to age past 46 and hence spend less. That uh, it's, it's just one of those things that it's about 47 or so that folks stop uh, spending at the same levels. And, and you might think of it this way. Uh, when you have the kids, you can't spend enough. When the kids are gone, well, now it's a whole new ballgame. So, Daniel, tell us what key sectors you think investors should be focusing on these days. Well, we're looking at four, and it's not not just sectors, but it's also topics. Some of it you've already you've already touched on. The first one is healthcare, and that's a big one. And what one of the things we get asked a lot is what does the pre- how how does the election really going to affect the markets? And the first thing is the president, who's whoever's in office, doesn't tend to have a huge difference on the overall economy. When we look back on it over the years, it's only a slight difference. And you'd be surprised to know that it actually favors Democrats. And that's, it's really- Are you sure? Only slightly, but yes. So what that tells us is it doesn't really matter. The economy and the stock market kind of move on their own. And what power does the president really have when it comes to it? Not as much as you would really think. So the four, sec- the four things we're looking at, one of them is healthcare, And most of that is policy changes that could happen and the different views on health care. Uh, certainly, if, if, Biden's, if Biden is elected, then that could mean some more social health care, but we'll see. The other one is tech, and we're seeing a big run in tech today. I think the last I saw was up about 4% of the NASDAQ was. And if Trump is elected, that could mean more regulation. He's not necessarily a fan of social medias and all that. So we could see where that goes. That's one of the sectors. The other part, the other topic we're looking at is trade, particularly because Trump is more negative on trade with China. And the last thing we're looking at, John, you already touched at, is taxes, and particularly for those high income orders over 400,000, possible increases in taxes. But that wouldn't really happen unless we get a Democratic Senate, which doesn't look likely at the moment. Right. And, and I think uh, certainly I uh, assert that taxes need to go up. I don't care Republican, Democrat. I really don't care the, 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 whether it's the state level or the federal level. The, the revenues are just insufficient to support the, the, the way we like things to be, whether it's the roads, whether it's our infrastructure, which is so important. And that might be something that Biden uh, is able to actually accomplish as opposed to just talk about. The other thing is that uh, uh, Vice President Biden as president might be um, more 
appreciated on the world stage. Uh, and we might actually be a, a player on the world stage again. And, and I, that also means that there could be more commerce. So stay tuned in terms of uh, what some of these things are going to do. But as I say, we have to be agile. And our one-two punch is active management and greater diversification. So we're going to go to a break. And Daniel, you'll give us a, a little announcement on that, please. And then we'll come back with Nancy Paul and look at this big issue of uh, one $0.56 trillion in student loan debt in 2020. What can be done about it is the question. You can find us on Facebook under Investors Advantage, on Twitter on, uh, at Money on Course, or you can send us an email at contact at ybpoor.com. Thanks, Daniel. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. So glad you could join us. I'm John Grace, and we have Daniel Medina here with Fiscal Fitness. And then we have uh, Nancy Paul with Three Wishes College Strategies, uh, an author, former UCLA scholarship judge, merit scholarship consultant. We want to talk about that. But let's start with why she's here. And these are the kinds of numbers that get our attention. And then we want to know what we can do about it. The student loan debt, this is from MyCreditSummit.com, is $1.5 trillion in the U.S., and borrowers on average owe about $37,000 in debt. Graduates of the most recent class of students leave college with approximately $29,200 in debt in student loans, and student loan debt happens to be the second largest class of consumer debt behind mortgage debt. 
So Nancy Paul is a, a great professional that we have referred a lot of business to uh, because we find that, uh, the, frankly, that the, we've learned a lot from, from our clients <laughs> in terms of what to do and what not to do. The majority of people, families, uh, really dance to the music of the student as opposed to declaring for the family, this is what we're going to be responsible for. Is it one year of Harvard? Is it four years at uh, Cal State Channel Islands? You, 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 you decide as the parents, but if you don't decide that, guess what? The children will tell you, hey, it's harder to get through classes. It's going to take me five years to do my general education, uh, get those classes behind me. So you're just going to keep paying for that, right? And what most of us do is say, yes, that's what we're going to do. Well, we found that the people who do the best, the, those are the parents who draw a line in the sand and say, here's what we're responsible for. And anything else you want to do, you're on your own. And that way, there's no discrepancy. You, you start that by talking to them about at age three. And by the time they're 15 or 16, guess what? They got the memo and they know that they're not going to be able to redraw the lines. I have one a good family of my friends, Michael and Melissa, the, 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 the children. The parents said, look, it's one year of a four-year private college of your choosing. That's it. And so I happened to be talking to Michael and go, how's that playing out? He says, hey, I got one year. I, I get to do the rest. I'm like, geez, this is neat because he really gets it and he doesn't have any problem with it. So Nancy, uh, what do you do in terms of merit scholarship? I, I mean, I wish I had known you and you were doing this work when we were in the business of applying everywhere and hoping that you're going to get admitted somewhere. How do you play this game with the students so that they show up to these uh, colleges of their choosing, or actually the, 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 the colleges choose them because there's a, there's a perfect match. And in some cases, these uh, colleges might be willing to pay these students to work at their, to, to come to their schools. Well, first I wanna say thank you for having me, John and Daniel. And I have to also say, I love your book. Oh, thank you. So many pearls in there that apply to college and financial fitness in general. And um, we're all grateful that you wrote it. So thank you. So I started this as a mom. My background's in public relations. I've got three daughters headed to great schools. We have the college counselor. And with, like with so many other families, we talked about you know, predictability and history. We were focused on getting the girls into schools. That was the pressure. That was the focus as so many other families right now. The paying for part too often becomes the afterthought. And we had a private counselor. I asked, what is a merit scholarship? And which of these schools will cost less? She knew neither. We don't qualify for financial aid, and many of your listeners may not as well, but there's still a lot of great options, merit aid being one of them. They have many benefits, which I'm gonna share with you, but I spent hundreds of hours figuring this out. And in the end, my girls won $600,000 in merit scholarships, which is money for college based on achievement. So right out the gate, I want your listeners to know that they don't own or, or have too much for their students to win merit scholarships. It's based on achievement, which is really wonderful. It's what can your student do to affect their own future and to actually deserve the money. And as you said, there are many schools that will offer students money in the sentence to come. And then there's also private merit scholarships. It's about strategy, which you talk about a lot in planning and creating a plan based on what your goals are which happens in your world and Daniel's world as well for more success. 
Yes. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we, as I say, we, we learn a lot from people. And part of what we think makes sense is that people do a better job of planning. And unfortunately, I think most parents have it completely backwards and upside down. Oh, we're going to do whatever we can for the kids. Well, but you didn't do what you needed to do for yourselves, right? You could have nine kids, raise them. And then now you need some money and none of the nine kids because of their situations can be of help to you. So our attitude is let's keep our priorities in order. You're first, the children are second. Let's make sure you have enough money. And then let's see what we can do about the kids. And we'll, we'll talk uh, about 529 plans and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, what we want, what, what we love to do, frankly, is to, is to be around or hear the stories from the parents who attend the graduation ceremony. And they're not sure if they're crying more because Junior or Missy graduated or the fact that Junior or Missy and the parents don't have any debt <laughs> that's going to haunt them uh, for the rest of their lives. And, and it really impedes the student's ability to start living. It, it's hard with that debt. It's kind of like an albatross to decide uh, to get married, to buy a house, to have children, because do the math. And some of these folks do, and they just don't like the the hanging chads that when we look at the election that, that stay with them forever in terms of trying to pay this debt off. So Daniel, I know you have some questions for Nancy. What's the first one? Nancy, thank you for coming on. Uh, how do families know if they earn too much for a merit scholarship? They don't. I can wave my crystal ball and tell every one of your listeners that they don't earn too much for merit aid. The only challenge is if your student's going to receive need-based aid, then merit aid can reduce some of that. But merit aid itself, the wealthiest person in the world can win merit scholarships or their students can win merit scholarships. And there's so many benefits to that. Can I share right now before? Of course. Can you explain how they so, work? So merit scholarships are based on achievement, which means that your student's going to do something for either a university or a private source, such as a nonprofit or a business or a person, want to reward them and support their college goals because the student's activities achievements, uniqueness, challenges, fit the mission of that scholarship provider. But the golden nugget of opportunity here, ever more important in uncertain times, which of course we're in the middle of right now, is the benefit of giving kids skin in the game, confidence, validation for who they are, and financial responsibility and financial literacy that comes from winning money for college based on who they are. It gives them more opportunities and more options later. And I've seen it happen with my kids and my clients, winning money for college, the money's awesome. I'm not gonna say it's not important, it's what we went into it for. But the other benefits are priceless. And we know certain things are gonna happen. We know the world's gonna keep changing. We want our kids to be financially fit for that. And the other great opportunity is cost of college is a great first conversation about money. It's a great first conversation about finances, starting really young. Of course, I'm not saying, you know, share your earnings, your taxes with your young kids, but the idea of cost and saving and delaying gratification that John talks about in his book and both of you coach your clients around, it's so important, but it's not a one and done. Like all of this is a marathon, not a sprint. Start talking about it young and that the cost might be a, a consideration of where they go to school. And there's strategies for that as well. Marinade's a great one but some schools we cannot make less expensive. So in other words, what's the plan B and the plan C? And I would also promise you that every student who wins money for college, whether they end up taking it or not, they might win a lot of money from one school and choose another, 
it empowers them with life skills and a brighter future that we all want. That's what they're going to college for in the first place. And one thing I want to say about one of the stats in John's book that I just, well, I kept reading and reading and reading, and it's so alarming, is that 60% of investors ages 18 to 34 have already borrowed from their retirement. That is just scary. I mean, we know that lots of parents are delaying retirement and using their retirement to pay for college. And that's the fastest growing group of borrowers with parent plus loans, which is frightening because they have, of course, less time to repay it. They can be looking at a, a debt when they've stopped working. But the young people have already taken their retirement. I just can't wrap my head around that. I think you're you're 100% correct. It's a conversation we need to have more as families because we just don't talk about money. So when we're talking about when you start talking about college, it, the cost is almost consequential. The kids don't don't really think about it because they don't know to think about it. If you start that conversation young, it'll be it'll be a consideration at some point. And the other part of that is I'm not suggesting that this isn't a hard thing to do. That paying for college and balancing your kids' needs and what you want for them in your future isn't a hard thing to do. It's very difficult. And there's so much societal pressure to go to what I call chasing the sweatshirt, right? The school with the quote unquote, the better ranking, the better this, the better that, and that you're a better parent for doing that, which I hold isn't the case. There's a lot of pressure to do this all right. And I just want to give parents and grandparents, I get retained by a lot of grandparents, this isn't easy, but... I promise you that delaying it does not give a better result. Staying overwhelmed or procrastinating or not taking steps does not give a better result. It's great people are here. It's great they follow you. And then we want them to use this information. Baby steps are fine, but just get in the game because too many parents and students wait until after the students admitted to a college and have already applied to then realize oh, we can't afford that school, or it's going to be debt, or it's going to be pulling from retirement. The time to make the most action is before your student applies. I can tell you stories. I'll tell you, I mean, one thing I know for sure is that every spring, no matter what happens in the economy, my phones are going to ring with parents who've gotten their kids into schools they can't afford. And every year, at least one parent calls crying, and they want me to promise them that it's okay and safe financially to go ahead and let Johnny commit to his dream school. And then in a matter of weeks, we can land them $50,000 in merit aid to cover that gap. Oh, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. And then, you know, I always want, want to go away during those weeks because I don't want to deal. But the time to take control is, is now. And the other thing about merit scholarships, the other really alarming, not alarming, surprising fact is that merit scholarships can be one starting in kindergarten right? Oh. Google has one for kindergartners and it goes all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school, graduate school, and all the way through, there's always more merit aid to win. Certainly the sooner you do it, the better strategies, the better results, but it's never too early. And that's the other big mistake. It's not too early. So on well, that you know, note, when should you start looking at this kind of stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to ask uh, part of that question, Nancy, is when do you like to work with the kids? And, and let me say to the audience that one of the things we've noticed is once Nancy gets the kids on the hunt <laughs> and the money starts flowing, guess what? You don't have to beat up the kids. Nancy will do that for you. But uh, <laughs> once the money starts flowing, now they understand how this is working and they do not want it to stop. They're fully engaged. Well, the other part, thank you, John. The other part of that, well, first, I mean, I would love students and families to come as early as possible right? Let's go after the fourth grade scholarships and the first grade scholarships, which might be drawings or a little poem. 
but really, really, really seriously conversations in ninth grade. And done right, you can find merit scholarships that your student's going to want to do, either because it's something they're interested in. There was one grandmother who hired me to find scholarships for her grandson. He loved to write poems. Easy, easy, easy peasy. Let's just find scholarships where the application is a poem. He's not going to find that painful to do. Good to go. And the other part is, you know, I've got a six-part system for finding the money, starting with who the student is uniquely. I coach a lot of twins. Spiders are different. Starting with who the student is, is the W in the wishes system. The S is the strategy. And the N is saving on college and more success in life. But that middle S, the strategy, depends on what your goals are, depending what kind of schools you're aiming for and your values. And part of that also is the parents getting clear on their own values, whether you're married, not married, whatever the deal is, even a happily married couple can disagree on this. And the first step is figuring out for each parent, what are your views? Do you have certain ideas that certain schools are worth more? Do you have certain ideas that your student needs to participate and do certain things to deserve the money, in which case you'll pay more? Like you need a plan. And I've come up with all kinds of solutions depending what the family structure is to get these kids engaged. And some parents want the student to take out a little loan or if they want a certain amount of money or do a certain amount of things, they'll help them more, but get a plan. Well, and Daniel, do the math for our listeners, please, because we were, you remember we have a good, a good client. She, every time we talked to her, her debt level for college was $80,000 and she's done the math. What kind of money is she going to be repaying and, and why does that bother her? Well, she actually, she, if I remember correctly, she refinanced uh, last year down to about a 3% interest rate. And, and that was too much for her. So she figured out a way how to, how to pay it off um, quickly, very quickly, like within a year. And if I remember correctly, she was going to end up paying about 160000 or 140000 on her 80000 when it was all said and done. But notice, folks, that she it bothered her so much. She did no stone was left unturned for her to get past this crisis or this, you know, this problem that she thought she was going to carry for the rest of her life. So she stayed on it and she kept looking at what can I do about this debt to make it go away so I can start living as opposed to carry it, which is I think what most of us do and feel bad about it. And and then, uh, and, and speak to this, Daniel, in terms of order of payment, how important is it to set aside money for yourself versus as though it's a choice or it's a, if there is no other way to do it, paying off all the debt, whether it's student loan or whatever the debt might be. Well, that's, that's a tough one because debt for most people, debt always seems like the priority. Cause if you don't pay, if you don't pay the debt, they're, they're going to come after you. Um, what we would tend to say is focus on yourself first, make sure you're doing what you need to do to make sure you're financially secure at some point. And then everything else comes second. Uh, the credit card debt, it can be crippling. So, I mean, that, that may be something we look at doing quick, quicker, but things like, like, like college savings, that is, that's down the line. You are first kids are second. Indeed. There are no scholarships for retirement. <laughs> no, that's a great point. <laughs> Yet to find one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, you're first. You're at the top of the heap. So pay yourself first and the rest will work out. And also, you know, I know from working with so many clients since, since 2011 across the country in all kinds of situations, but always earning too much for need-based aid. It's stressful on these kids. And you, the parents are the role model. How you pay for college and what you expect of your child or grandchild or niece, whomever it may be, 
sets a really big lesson. Whether you say the words or not, they watch. And they want you, your kids want you to protect yourself financially and your financial future. They don't want to be burdened or responsible. And look, do you really want to be asking them for money later or to them support you later? You don't. The best gift you can give your child or grandchild is to protect your own financial future. And that's in the planning with, you know, the strategies you guys all talk about. It's planning. Yeah, in yeah. fact, our trademark happens to be the proof is in the planning. I'm so proud of that one because it's, it's so simple that people get it's it. True. It's just true. And, and that's our hallmark. That's what we, that's how we approach things because it's not about the emotion. It's not about who's the winner. It's not about who's losing. It's not about how the things are going to turn terrible. They might. So what you want to be okay. Uh, and that takes planning and it takes some time. Another thing I want to share about this is that when we get our kids involved in helping pay for college, it's really empowering. We talked about the life skills and financial responsibility but I can tell you from my youngest daughter is a story that really shows it all, is that Kayla worked really hard in high school, struggled more than her sisters, but she herself won $152,000 in merit scholarships. So she ended up deciding to surprise us, take on a new risk, compete to speak at her high school graduation, which she did. And of course, it was a great joy. And afterwards, I said, okay, two big questions, Kayla. How'd you pull it off? And what made you do it? You don't like to public speak. And she said, I felt so good about myself. About wow. wow. And I thought I could try something new. What else do we want for our kids? Amen. That's a beautiful thing. Okay, Daniel, you want to take us to break, and then we'll come back with Nancy with some more questions about how to survive uh, college costs without having to go in debt for the rest of your life, or whether it's you or the child. You can find us on Twitter at Money on Course, on Facebook under Investors Advantage, or you can send us a message at contact at ybpoor.com. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. We're so glad you could spend some time with us today. And we're delighted that Nancy Paul, founder of Three Wishes College, uh, Three Wishes College Strategies, is uh, right here with us. We're looking at this whole notion of how families can not just survive, but thrive without having to be in debt to educate their kids. Uh, and those costs just seem to be going up all across the board in America. It's just something we do so well. Uh, so I understand, Nancy, that you have an offer for our audience. And then I know Daniel has a question for you regarding how to pay for the, uh, the, the, the college before the family figures out that he's got a question along those lines. Perfect. So I do want to invite your listeners. I have a free video series. It's called How to Pay Less for College, Even If You Earn Too Much for Financial Aid. And you can get it at nancypaul.com forward slash radio. And with all of this, I'm all about fast. Like you don't, your listeners don't need to spend the hundreds of hours I did. Let's not do that. Let's go for fast lessons, get in there, get the money, know what to do, start sleeping better. Know you've got this under control. It's, it's a marathon, right? We're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. But as soon as you know what to do and can start doing it, you're going to feel more in control of all this. So again, it's how to pay less for college, even if you earn too much for financial aid. It's a video series, short. The whole thing is 40 minutes, but powerful. And your listeners can get it at nancypaul.com forward slash radio. And it's so important. I know Daniel has a couple of questions for you, but we, again, we're trying to share with everyone we can what we've learned from the parents who done played the game very well and those who didn't. And it seems like the pattern for most of us is uh, the, your child's in uh, generally by junior, right? That's when you wake up and go, oh my God, we have to apply. Well, Nancy likes working with the students in middle school. Let's get this start party started early so that it doesn't have to be an emergency. And we have a number of things that we can do over time to increase your odds. Daniel, what questions do you have for Nancy? Nancy, what's the best way for What's the best way to pay for college if the family hasn't saved enough? I'm all about leveraging student achievement hmm. for the ways we talked about before so that they get skin in the game, financial responsibility, confidence, life skills to really thrive, which is why they're going to college in the first place. There's lots of ways to do it. Merit scholarships is certainly one. The other thing is picking schools that you can afford. So target reach and safety schools are what your admissions counselors talk about but they don't talk about the cost of college. It's my big pet peeve. They talk about getting kids in. That's how they're judged. But whether your student takes on debt, drops out, transfers schools, never graduates, or gets into over their heads, or you do, that's not their focus. Their focus is getting students into the most high-ranking schools as possible. Yes, there's some exceptions. But the fact of the matter is that right now, middle-income families have the hardest time paying for college. So whether it's, the other thing is, yes, look for merit scholarships very young. Also engage your student in things they really like so they can kind of get hands-on experience in something they might want to study later and avoid the cost of changing majors. There's lots of ways to use achievement. And all of these strategies, the best part, they partner with all the financial planning that John and Daniel are going to do with you. They partner well with that. It's not going to take away from finance, you know, 529s or the other great tools that John and Daniel are experts at. But frankly, I'm not. This is about 
what can we do to empower our student for a brighter future, using their own uniqueness and achievements to get money for college and set them up right? What about parents taking out debt to pay for college? How do you feel about that? I know it's tempting. Like, I got it. We want the best for our kids. I got it. But the fastest group of borrowers is the parents. We're at $90 million of parents taking on debt. Wow. And with less time to repay it. And for surprisingly, lots of parents are taking on debt and now need to go back to work. From 2019, 68% of the new jobs were taken by people over 55. And the other thing about this debt number is that there's so much of it and so many people talk about having it, it almost seems normal. And that's a frightening thing. It doesn't have to be normal. 30,000, 100,000 debt, $150,000 of debt. That should sound normal. That should sound alarming. It should get people into action. I promise you, the sooner you take, start taking steps towards this, the better you feel, better results you're going to have. And it's going to feel less overwhelming. Once you just start getting a plan and import, importing it one way or another, well, excuse me, Nancy, talk about this from the standpoint of the parents thinking, uh, the kids, you know, we look at, you're, we're in the same community, and we look at the cars at the local high schools, and in many cases, the student cars are nicer than the teacher cars. <laughs> right. So the parents seem like we're, we're playing a game, or we're playing, it's competition. God, my kid's better than your kid, so he's got to have, I mean, I remember one of my son's uh, friends got a new car thanks to grandma i was complimenting him on it he says yeah but it doesn't have leather i said are you out of your mind you got a new car and you're going to squeal about not having leather let me slap you come here okay so what i'm saying is so many of us do the same thing in terms of college oh i have to find the best college how really important is it to pay for the most expensive college is there really a payoff from the standpoint of the paying that cost, uh, and let's understand, that I'm gonna submit that the two areas where America suffers is uh, education costs at college and healthcare. Why? Because there's no uh, competition. It's all internal, it's all in the US. So we can make up the numbers any way we want them because as opposed to a car, there's a lot of competition. And that's one of the reasons why you could buy a nicer car without having to spend $100,000 unless you want to. But you get a really good car at twenty dollars or $30,000. So just speak to how what you've seen in terms of how many parents are willing to take on this excessive amount of debt. And, and is that really a, 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 a benefit to the, to the student? I love this topic. So first, I would say that yes, college degree or no college degree, yes, college degree, right? Over the life of the student, an average of $900,000 indifference in what they're going to earn over their life. So yes, college or no college, yes, college. Chasing that sweatshirt, no, no. It's about, first of all, what your student does when they get to college, what opportunities they take advantage of and how well they do at that college experience. But when you start playing with the numbers, which you guys are more numbers first people than I am, it's a scary proposition to be that upside down and stressful. And there are stats that show that young people are delaying getting married, delaying buying houses based on credit card debt, and, and I'm sorry, based on college debt, and then regretting that they didn't, didn't go to a less expensive school later. It's a frightening thing. So yes, we want to go to college. And I understand the pressure. I understand the way that society's been going and all the media and everything else. We've come to believe that we're a better parent if we send our child to the best school they get into, the more high-ranking school, and that somehow might be a reflection on us in different ways. 
whether we went to college or we didn't go to college, we had the experience we wanted and we want to pass that on, didn't have the one and want our kids to have that one. But it's a dangerous, slippery slope. There's so many other bigger values and there's so much that needs to change in the whole societal view of college, cost of college, paying for college, that we need to change, which that's a whole other soapbox conversation. But it's the idea of going to college, but really want, and make sure the school you're choosing has your students' majors and fits their personality and their goals and what you and they want for them. There's no one right sweatshirt. I keep talking about that, but there's so many people that, that fight for that. I remember when Rebecca was applying to school, she had one school on her list that was her dream school that didn't offer any merit scholarships. At the time, it was $67,000 a year. And I felt like a really bad parent because secretly, I was really terrified she would get in. <laughs> she wouldn't, but she would. Oops. And then what would we do? We'd always talked about sending our kids to great schools, and my family background has always believed in that. And we always thought we would just send them wherever they got in. But as costs got more expensive and the value of giving them skin in the game played in the fact, it changed how we thought about all of it. And I get that this is difficult. I really, really do. But I caution parents, grandparents to really look at what is your main goal here? And we need to push back about the idea of ranking because ranking does not always lead to the best job. And it certainly doesn't lead to the most happiness. Hmm. So I know Daniel has a question. I want to say two things real quick uh, for our audience here. One, to draw your attention to the book that Nancy is enjoying reading. We can make this as uh, the book available to you on Kindle to the extent that you were to provide us with your uh, email address. If you want to post a question, share your email address. We'll make sure that shows up as a gift. Speaking of gifts, it's uh, Thanksgiving right around the corner. Uh, and Daniel and I have decided that our firm would be instrumental in giving back on Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving to the essential workers. In other words, the most meaningful gift we can possibly provide essential workers as a way of saying thank you of the highest order is a financial plan. So we will spend like 90 minutes, whether it's in the office or it's on Zoom with uh, in individuals, families who are first responders, essential workers, these are the folks who are taking it on the chin literally every day. We have the luxury of being able to work from home. So many of us do not have that luxury and they absolutely have to show up. So well, our way of saying thank you to them in a meaningful way is to say, let's do a financial plan. Thank you for helping us keep our health in order. Let us help you keep your financial situation in order so that you know how much you're going to need to educate those kids. What happens in the event that one breadwinner doesn't come home, regardless of being married or not, who's going to try and keep this uh, table, if you will, of all this stuff and all these things on it from crashing down because one breadwinner went to heaven. And then, of course, uh, the first question is, how are we going to make work optional? What, what needs to happen so that you can see you can make work optional? And that way, you know that there's a, a sufficient amount of money behind door number one to provide the equivalent of income for the next 20 or 30 years. And of course, we would take into account any pensions and social security that might help get that job done. So wanna make sure you folks are aware of that uh, and, and let us know if we can get you the book. Daniel, what else do you have for, for Nancy Paul before we- I just wanna say that's, an off, that's a really great gift. So oh, thank for you. everyone who benefits from all the you know, first responders and everyone else who's keeping us all safe and healthy, that's a really great gift for Investors Advantage. Thank you. You've always done a lot of philanthropy, but that's a really, that's a winner this year. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. One last question before we cut off here. Nancy, what would you say to parents that feel guilty that they haven't saved enough? <laughs> I get that. First of all, it's virtually impossible to have saved enough. College costs right. skyrocketing. 
And the other thing is that depending who you listen to, college costs, even in a pandemic, they're expected to increase between one and eight percent per year. Younger kids are at a bigger risk. I promise you, you're doing your student a favor by giving them skin in the game and letting them win money for college because they will feel great about themselves now and in the future. And if they don't get every school they wanted to, but win money, it takes away the sting. Later, if they don't get every job they wanted, but know they won money for who they are, it takes away the sting. And I also want to say one more time, I, my gift isn't quite as powerful as yours, John, but um, I do want to invite people again to get my free video series. It goes into more detail on merit scholarships, it's how to pay less for college, even if you earn too much for financial aid, at nancypaul.com forward slash radio. Beautiful. Okay. So uh, Daniel, Medina, and I will be back here next Wednesday from 12 to 1 on Fiscal Fitness. We're delighted to have a home here at uh, Voice America. We appreciate your questions, whether they come on the show or between times. Uh, we work those uh, into the equation in terms of the discussions that we have. And what we're trying to do, again, is make sure you're better prepared than you've ever been. Uh, and there's just so many things. College is one of them. We, Thank you, uh, Nancy Paul, to help us recognize it doesn't have to be an emergency. Just back up a little bit, give ourselves a little more time, and it may be a process you actually can enjoy. And I have to imagine if the money just shows up and your kid's going to school and you don't have to write the checks and nobody's going into debt, oh my goodness, that would be that would be joyful just by itself. So there's so many things that we can do along these lines when we don't make, uh, how's it go? Don't make your lack of planning my emergency. So let's make the planning important. Let's take the time to get the job done. And that way we might actually enjoy the process and, and have a happy life um, and make, as we're making sure that we are doing what we need to do and making progress to, to answer some of these needs and some of these concerns that we have. But uh, that, that to me would be, would be fun. So that, this is uh, John Grace and Danny Medina. Thank you again, Nancy Paul, signing off Thank from Fitness. And we'll see you next Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.